Genesis 33. So this is actually a really short chapter, and it's fairly straightforward. So after all of this, sneaking his family across the river and um, sending all of these flocks ahead of him and doing all this stuff, Jacob looked up and he saw Esau coming toward him with 400 men. And so he divided up his children among Leah, Rachel, and the two slaves. And he put, he, he arranged them from least favorite to favorite, which, I don't know, if your dad did that to your family, I don't think that would go well in the years to come. Uh, so he put the slaves and their children first, and then uh, Leah and her children, and then Rachel and Joseph, the back. And then he went out ahead of them, and he bowed down seven times, and Esau ran up and met him and hugged him and embraced him, and they wept. I mean, this is the this is the reunion everybody was hoping for, but definitely not expecting based on how they left things. And then, you know, they asked about their families, and... Um, and Jacob tried to give him all the stuff. He saw, was like, what, what was all that? And obviously, he heard. The servants told him. And and Esau says, I have enough. Keep it. And Jacob persists, and they go back and forth. And then uh, and, and Jacob said, I have enough. And Jacob urged him until he accepted. He pushed and pushed Esau to accept this gift, this apology, this uh, reconciliation. And so then they talk about going down to Seir, which is down, um, it's actually south of the, um, the Dead Sea. So it's a, it's a good several day walk, especially if you've got herds and stuff. Um, and Esau said, hey, let me, uh, let me go with you. He said, first, let me go with you. Um, let me just like lead the way. He's like, no, it's going to take a really long time. And then he said, well, let me leave some of my, some of my men with you, and they can, they can go with you. And uh, Esau, or, uh, Jacob just kind of weaseled his way out of that one, too, and basically convinced Esau to just go ahead, and uh, I'll meet you there. And then Jacob went to Succoth instead, and he built for himself stalls for his cattle, and, and then he, he settled in uh, Shechem, which is outside of it. It's a Canaanite city. He bought a piece of land for an unknown amount of money, and he set up a, um, a uh, an altar and named it God, the God of Israel. So, why another deception? Like, why is there this, like, yes, we'll meet you there, and then he doesn't? Um, well, first off, I don't know for sure. I so I looked it up and looked at some commentaries, and it kind of goes back and forth. One of them uh, was really pushing on um, that this deception is actually part of a parallel structure. If you look at the the structure of Jacob's journey, um, there's you know on the far ends there's like you know, travels and deceptions and and then it kind of works its way in with the the bearing of all the children with um, Leah and Rachel and their barrenness and having children and and uh, the flock interaction and more flock interaction. So it's like a parallel, like outside, inside, 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 all the way to the middle. There's this um, pyramid of parallel structure. And that in order to maintain that, they had to throw in a story here about his deception in order to have a, you know, some kind of a parallel. <clears throat> um, 
Also, I don't know for sure if this is a deception. It might be very well that he intended to go there, and then after being there for a little while, he decided, you know, living right there with your relatives hasn't gone well for us with Laban, and it didn't go well for um, Isaac and, and his peers, and didn't go well for Abraham and Lot, so maybe we shouldn't live right in the same area. Maybe that will cause problems and stresses and um, and issues. So let's go and move over here where there's some room. That doesn't say. It's not super clear. Um, and the, it's not like this comes back later. Um, it's not like later on, you know, Esau finds him. I mean, he was this far away. He actually sent... Well, I guess he, he, there's an army coming, basically. So um, he could have tried to be more sneaky and just sneak into the northern part of Israel and live there. But he intentionally sought reconciliation. Like, he worked hard. Like, this is a... He made this really elaborate gift thing that went in nine... Was it nine phases? Um, and then uh, with his own family, divided up into groups to meet him. And I don't know how much of that was, you know, defensive and how much of that was on the offense. The thing that I was confused about this time was... He, he worked really hard to, like, move his family over this water in the middle of the night with all of his stuff. And then in the morning, he moved him back and put him in a line to, to meet Esau. Maybe he was, maybe he thought there was going to be some night raid. And then in the morning, he decided, well, I guess if there is going to be a raid, there's no way we're out of it. So, whether or not there was a deception here, whether or not um, they, you know, talked about it or, you know, sent carrier pigeons. Uh, Jacob went to extreme lengths to reconcile his relationship with his brother. He expected the worst. He expected um, anger. He expected, he expected a battle. He expected his brother to come in and slaughter his family. And he still went. And he gave him a massive gift and insisted for a while um, for him to accept it, to, to help heal that relationship. Because even if, like, just imagine, so what, what, what would have happened if he got there and Esau said, oh, I have plenty, you keep it. And Jacob said, okay, I'm glad we're still brothers. I think something in the balanced account of things inside of Esau's brain would have been off. I don't think it would have been enough to start a war, but there's something important about giving gifts and then reconciling and, and having it cost you something. There's a pattern that goes on through a good chunk of the Bible. It reminds me of um, David when there's a, a plague going through Israel that's because of his sin. And, and he gets to this place where he's going to set up an altar and, and give a sacrifice. And, and the guy there says, the threshing floor of, I don't remember his name, he says, oh, uh, you don't have to buy this if you're going to, if you're going to, you know, set up an altar and, and, uh, you know, it's going to stop this plague. You can just have it. And here's some oxen and, uh, and here's some firewood. Uh, just take it, take it, make this plague stop. And David's response to that is, no, I will pay you. I will not sacrifice to God something that costs me nothing. And that just, I don't know, that, that really seems to, that, that parallel, that, that line of, of theme 
that runs through the Bible is here. Jacob is coming and he's saying, I, I'm going to reconcile this relationship and it's going to cost me something. It has to. And he insists that Esau accept it because there's something about that being accepted versus dismissed. There's a difference. And he, he, he planned it and he thought through it. I don't, I don't think there's anybody right now in my life that I really, really need to reconcile my relationship with. There have been a few times in my life where I have, where I've done damage to a relationship significantly and I've needed to go back and ask forgiveness. I haven't put this much work into any forgiveness thing. I haven't set up gifts, you know, loads of gifts and and apologies and bowing to the ground and, and begging for forgiveness. But I definitely need to be prepared to. And my heart needs to be in that place where I'm thinking of the other person and of how to reconcile it and of how to bring that relationship back. And Jacob definitely did that. And it's a, it's a good example to follow, unlike many of the other things that he did. Israel did some really awesome things. Um, he, he, he had some deceptions, and he had some um, th things that I've been hung up on this, this whole time. But two theme, themes that follow um, Jacob slash Israel's life are that he listened to God, and he obeyed immediately. He radically... Uh, rebuild relationships like this one and and he worked extremely diligently and intelligently on hard things I think those are all good lessons to learn yeah I think in the chapters to come we transition I don't know how long we actually stay with Jacob I think here in a little bit we, we transition to his children and then yeah, the next couple, we transition there, and then we go to Esau's family. And then we transition to his children, uh, to Joseph. Now we got a few more chapters, though. I just don't want to lose sight of the things that we learned from Jacob before we're out of these. All right, now I'm just rambling.